Good morning. Uh, a very warm welcome to you. Um, it's my turn this week. I'm sure there's nobody out there that doesn't, but if you don't know, my name is Robert Dungate and I'm a member here at Spurgeon Baptist Church. And for those that don't know, my wife, Leslie, is secretary, so I always do as I'm told. So a very warm welcome to you. I hope you'll enjoy the service uh, this morning. Also, a welcome to you on Zoom. Hello. Um, has anybody left since they knew it was me? No? Oh, good. Right. That's, that's, <laughs> that's always a good start. Now, today is actually Bible Sunday. And in the past, uh, we used to hand out Bibles to our young people on Bible Sunday. Uh, we, we don't do it now on Bible Sunday. We tend to do it at the beginning of the term in September. Um, but I found a resource uh, for today, and I thought it was terrific, so I thought I'd share it with you. It's the Bible in four minutes. I know, you can't believe it, can you? Just watch this. <laughs> right at the start, the original orator set out solar systems with stanzas, and from the dust he formed us as the ultimate reflection of his perfection until the cataclysmic mistake with the snake spoiling the truth and speaking the fake news knowledge misused and trust abused sin goes viral yet a seed sown pointing to a promise of a rescuer homegrown they wait time passes Abe gets the call up then Isaac to Jacob, God wrestler. The providence of God sees Joe go from prisoner to prime minister. 400 years pass, then a 10 plague standoff. Israel's shackles come free. Moses leads the way as God's centre parts the sea. To Sinai, a 10 part moral compass. 12 I spies, 40 years in the wilderness. They wait. Moses to Joshua, the baton gets passed. Promised land with milk and honey on tap. Judges lead, then it all falls apart. People want a king, on paper Saul's mustard, but he wrecks the gig. Psalm singer David gets crowned and convicted. Temple gets built, but Solomon's conflicted. Kingdom divides, God's people get evicted. Daniel naps in a lion's den. Seventy years pass, God brings them back then. Temple ruins get erected. A wall gets built, Jerusalem's protected, and they wait. 400 years pass. Enter magnificent maker of everything. Wrapped in linen cloths are beauty spots. Rifts off Isaiah broke bread with outcasts. Healed abseiling paralytics who picked up their own mats. Passover palm leaves, then pass over to Gethsemane, to handcuffs, to trial, as Peter denies, on my mother's life I've not even met the guy. Then crucified, love laid out his arms with one final cry, it is finished. But on the third day, hope reinstated with victory on display as the Messiah's stone rolled away and before Jesus ascended, he says, wait. The Spirit's opening ceremony display. 
Tongues of fire, the works of a people full of praise. Stephen martyred, church close to despair, till Paul U-turns preaching the gospel everywhere. Church as community, radical diversity, and this is our part in the unfolding story. Now spirit sealed and for God's glory we participate, yet we still wait. And off the Isle of Patmos, Apostle John got a snapshot of how it all ends and it's gonna be worth the wait. Sin's death grip will cease. No more tears with fears forgotten and baggage sent packing as the community of grace-gifted misfits welcome in the homecoming. From despair there'll be perfect repair and hope will be there as the highlight for all time. Ease the promise became pillar to the plotline. The living vine, original orator, solar system setter outer, the dust former and people potter. Word became flesh, put to death yet raised, so one day we may raise in him. So we raise our lives as an offering of praise for the one who's worth the wait. There you go, the Bible in four minutes. As I said earlier, Jane would normally come up here and hand Bibles out at the beginning of uh, uh, the session uh, in September, but obviously I said she's not doing that because it's not the beginning of September. Um, but it is Bible Sunday, and I'd quite like Jane to come out the front anyway. Go on, Jane, please. She has no idea what's going on now. But not just Jane. Douglas, come on. Now they may now have an idea of what's happening. And for the rest of you, if you're still puzzled, uh, Yvonne, can, can you mute the sound on that iPad? Because it's echoing at me. Thank you. Um, yeah, this is why we're all gathered. You can see it up there. <laughs> and, and here... <clears throat> Oh. This, this is very, very heavy. Be very careful. Oh, it is. And that comes... Uh, Douglas, you can have the, the less heavier bit. Thank you. Because he's got something in his hand. So. so we'd love from all of us here at the Church Centre to celebrate your 40th wedding anniversary. Many congratulations. Well done. Let's give them a round of applause. Thank you. Thank you. everybody. This is truly stunning. Um, we do have cake to share with you uh, uh, for refreshment, so do stop and have some cake. Uh, but this, yes, total surprise. Thank you very much. <laughs> I, I wish you could have seen your own face when you looked when I said, please come out the front. It was quite a picture. Thank you. Yes, I'm glad there wasn't a camera. No, she's going to get her revenge at some point. I just know it. <laughs> Okay, let's continue our worship with uh, words from Psalm 32. Just verses 1 and 2 and 7 and 8, which say this. I'm having trouble this morning. It's still not. See, the trouble is I'm standing here not sitting over there. That's, that's the real problem. I can't do two things at once. Here we go. Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. 
Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them and in whose spirit is no deceit. And verses 7 and 8. You are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you and watch over you. Let's just have a brief word of prayer. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your love for us. We come this morning in all kinds of moods, so we ask that in the next hour or so you would open our ears that we may hear. Open our minds that we may understand. And open our hearts that we may respond to you. Father, as we rejoice in our worship, may we be encouraged through your word and inspired by your truth. So be with us, we pray. That we may, have, that we may leave having met with you and feel refreshed and renewed by your presence with us. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. And so I'd ask you to stand for our first song, Who Can Know I Stand in Awe? If you're able, please stand to sing. Morning, everyone. Big voices expected, as always. Who can know the mind of our Creator? Who can speak the wonders of the sea? Who can reach the height of understanding to play the notes of wisdom's melody? of every mountain who has walked the mysteries of the deep who has laid the earth on its foundation and who conducts the waves upon the sea I stand in You have seen 
the end from the beginning you have been before the world began you have reached to me within my darkness and in the light of mercy now i see i stand in Please be seated. I stand in awe of technology at the moment. <laughs> was it your fault? All oh, right. I'm so glad he said that. I was. <laughs> uh, characters. We're looking at faith and character, and characters uh, is our theme today. So, thinking of characters, I wonder if you can guess some of these fictional characters from just a short description. There's going to be ten of them, and I'm going to give you three clues. I don't want you to put your hands up or shout out. Just see if you can get it from the first clue, the second clue, or the third clue. We'll run through these quite quickly, just for a bit of fun. Here's the first one. This energetic character was created by a British author in a book for his son in the 1920s. He appeared in a Disney animated short film in 1968. He bounces a lot. I'm sure you've got him now. Tigger! Okay, number two. This character first appeared at the end of the 19th century and has since gained an entry in the Guinness World Records list as the most portrayed literary human character in film and television history. He was most recently portrayed on TV by Benedict Cumberbatch. He lives in Baker Street. It is, of course, Sherlock Holmes. Okay, number three. This character first appeared in a film in 1981, the title of which didn't bear his name. More films have been made with this name up front, and a fifth is currently in production. A TV series has also been made featuring him as a younger character. He's an archaeologist played in the feature films by Harrison Ford. It is, of course, Indiana Jones. Number four, this character was killed in a feature film in 1950, only to be revived for a popular long-running TV series lasting for over 20 years. He, he opened each TV episode with the catchphrase, Evening all. He's a police officer. And his name, in case you can't remember, P.C. George Dixon. Moving on. This character only appeared in two TV series produced in the 1970s. The show was named by comedy experts in the Radio Times as the greatest ever sitcom. It features the owner of a hotel played by John Cleese. It is, of course, Basil Fawlty. Next up, this animated character has been rated as one of the most influential in the history of television and first appeared in the USA in 1987. He's a bumbling husband and father. His most famous catchphrase is often a realisation of his own stupidity. 
Don't. Of course, it's Homer Simpson. Number seven. This character first appeared in a crime novel in 1920. David Suchet played the character on TV for over 20 years. A Belgian detective created by Agatha Christie. Of course, Hercules Parrot. I'm sorry, Hercule Poirot. Number eight, this character was created by the author of Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. He first appeared in a novel in 1952, but has been on our cinema screens now for over 60 years. He's a spy. His name, of course, is Bond. James Bond. Number nine. The success of this character on TV has spawned two other spin-off TV series. He's known for his liking of opera and solving crosswords. A detective in Oxford who drove a red Jaguar. Yes, I can hear you all saying it's Inspector Morse. Okay, the last one. This may catch some of you out. I'm not sure. We'll see. This character appeared in the TV show Victoria Wood as seen on TV. Appearing in Acorn Antiques, a parody of a TV soap opera. Played by Julie Walters. Anybody know the name? Oh, I've got all of you. Go on. Yes, Mrs. Overall. Well done, Yvonne. <laughs> well done. Well, that was a bit of fun all about characters, fictional characters. Um, and all these characters were quite clearly defined uh, uh, and known by probably most of us, if not all of us. But what about God's character? How would you describe God? Well, I'm going to put you to the test now because I'm going to give you just two minutes to think of three or four words that describe God's character. No more. Just in twos or threes where you sit, just have a little chat and a think. Three or four, no more words that describe God's character. You've got two minutes. Off you go. You've had one minute, you've got one minute left. Twenty seconds. Yeah, it's about time we start because I can hear you starting to chatter. 
Always a dangerous sign. Okay, let, let's, let's move on. Would my scribe please like to come up? <laughs> Thank you, Leslie. My glamorous assistant. And my other glamorous assistant who has a microphone. Put your hand up, please. Who's going to go first with their three or four words? Come on, somebody. David. Or give us one of your three or four. Uh, it was forgiving. Forgiving. Thank you. Let's put that up. Somebody else? Clem? Loving. Loving. Heather? Merciful. Merciful. Faithful. Faithful. Surely we haven't used up all the words. Come on. Let's have a few more. Uh, Non-discriminatory. I would argue that's not a word, but, you know. (laughs) Any more? Yeah, we have another one. What was it? Forever. Forever. Good one. Humorous. Humorous. Thank goodness for that. (laughs) Any more? Just. Just starting to run out, run out of room. It must be time to nearly stop. Um, Linda? Big. Big. <coughs> creative. Creative. Or creative. A never failing friend. That's three words. <laughs> okay, just one more. Anybody with one more? He's a rock. He's a rock. Oh, my rock. <laughs> a rock. Well, we've got a fair few words there. Forgiving, big, loving, just, merciful, creative or creator, faithful, friend, uh, non-discriminatory, I can't say that, Uh, forever, uh, rock, humorous. Thank you, Hayden. Thank you, Leslie, for that. That's a brilliant list. I'm going to leave it there for you to, to think about as we move now into our prayers of adoration and confession. Let us come before God in prayer. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to come and worship you. And that as we meet here today, help us to know that you are with us. You're indeed with us, whether or not we can feel your presence or hear your voice. Your love for us knows no bounds and is never-ending. So vast that we cannot understand it. We can only accept your love and give thanks that it is only by your love and grace that we are saved. Father, we thank you that you have called us to share in your work together. Help us to be responsible with our time and talents and to remember to acknowledge you in all that we do. But Lord, you know there are so many good things we have done and so many things we have not done. There are so many things that we have done wrong. We are truly sorry. Help us to turn from everything that we know to be wrong to put aside those things that prevent us from experiencing the love and joy that comes from your spirit. Lord, we know that you're always there and that we cannot hide anything from you. Free our minds from clutter, that we may allow your Holy Spirit to direct us and help us to concentrate so that we feel closer to you. Lord, be with us in all our thinking, in all our doing, and in all our praying 
that you may guide and strengthen us as we continue to serve in your name. And finally, Father, we give thanks that you do care for us. We thank you for the loyalty of friends and family and all those who encourage and sustain us by their words and example. Lord, be near us, we pray, that we may feel your comforting hand and know your presence with us. For we ask these things in and through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Could we have our first reading, please? The New Testament reading is from Luke 19, verses 1 to 10. Zacchaeus, the tax collector. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zagaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is the son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. Thank you uh, for that. We're going to stand and sing in a moment, but uh, not yet. This song, I said it's Bible Sunday, and I couldn't uh, let it pass without singing this song this morning, because it's so appropriate. It's also one I really, really love, but I don't think it's one we particularly know. I think we sang it once before, a while back. So, remain seated. Uh, Mike is going to play it through for us so you get the idea of the melody. It's it's very simple to pick up. It sounds like an old hymn, but it's actually quite a modern song, Um, and it's called Ancient Words. So, um, uh, Mike, if you'd like to lead us, he'll run through it, and then we'll go back, and I'll invite you to stand to sing. Words of life, words of hope. Give us strength, help us grow. That's not right. <laughs> In this world, wherever we roam, ancient words will guide us home. Ancient words ever true, changing me, changing you. We have Mike, that is the chorus. It's actually verse two in the chorus. Yeah, I was going to say it wasn't the same as what. On the end of verse one. 
You heard it here first, yeah. Okay, please stand. You get the idea, I think. Please stand if you're able. And we'll take it from the, from the beginning. Holy words long preserved for our walk in this world. They resound with not on heart. Oh, let the ancient word impart. Words of life, words of hope, give us strength. Help us cope in this world where we roam. Our ancient words will guide us home. Ancient words ever true, changing me, changing you. We have come with open hearts. Oh, let the ancient words of our faith handed down to this age come to us to sacrifice oh hear the faithful words of Christ ancient words ever true changing me and changing you we have come with open hearts Oh, let the ancient words impart. his blood stains each page. They have died for this faith. He that brought through the years, heed these words and hold them dear. Ancient words ever true. forward our offering to you a small token of our appreciation of your love we ask that you'd please use this in the furtherance of your kingdom here in this place not just this but us also for we ask it in jesus name amen amen Amen. we exchange our greeting with the young people as they leave us now with the words the lord be with you oh You can. No pressure. <laughs>
<laughs> well, with that, let's stand and sing again then with our next song, which is indescribable. Please, if you're able, please stand. From the highest of highs to the depths of the sea Creation's revealing your majesty From the colors of fall to the fragrance of spring Every creature unique in the song of it sings Indescribable, uncontainable You place the stars in my sky And you know them by name You are amazing God All-powerful, untamable Awestruck we fall to our knees As we humbly proclaim You are amazing God Told every lightning bolt where it should go, or seen heavenly storehouses laden with snow. Who imagined the sun would give source to its light that conceals it to bring us the coolest of nights? None can fathom, indescribable, uncontainable. You place the stars in the sky and you know them by name. You are amazing God. Incomparable, unchangeable. You see the depths of my heart and you love me the same. You are amazing God. You are amazing God again. You are amazing God. Indescribable, uncontainable. You place the stars in the sky and you know. You see the depths of my heart and you love me the same. You are amazing God. You are amazing God. You Please be seated. I invite Leslie to uh, come up now and lead us in our prayers of intercession. Thank you. I couldn't remember when I was on, actually, so <laughs> I thought I was a bit later. 
Um, we're going to do our prayers of intercession just a little bit differently today. Um, we're just going to focus on three words. And I'm just going to invite you in, in your own space, in your own mind, in your own head, to use these three words and offer your own prayers to God or take the time to listen to God, to what he might be saying to you. So our first word is stewardship. I wonder what stewardship means to us. Stewardship of the planet? Stewardship of our own personal income? Stewardship of our gifts? Or our time? What might God be saying to us about any of these things? What do we want to say to him? Let us pray. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Our second word is integrity. We've heard a lot about integrity these last few days and weeks, particularly integrity in our government. Rishi Sunak has promised us a government of integrity and professionalism. Do we believe that? Can we support our Prime Minister and government by praying for them? And what about integrity in our own personal lives? Is what we do here on a Sunday reflected in our lives Monday to Saturday? What might we want to say to God about this? What help might we want to ask for? What might he want to say to us? Let us pray. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. And our third word is compassion. We live in a needy world. And especially coming up to this Christmas time, charities, Christian charities, will be asking us all for some of our monies to help support the very worthy causes which they represent. Some of us regularly support charities. May we have resources to stretch that a little bit further. Maybe we're being asked to do a little bit more than just to give. How can we help? Who can we pray for who needs God's compassion and love at this time? Let us pray.
Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. And let us offer all our prayers to God as we share the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen. Thank you. Can we have our second reading now, please? Thank you. Our Old Testament reading comes from Isaiah chapter 1, verses 10 to 18. Hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. Listen to the instruction of our God, you people of Gomorrah. The multitude of your sacrifices. What are they to me, says the Lord? I have more than enough of burnt offerings, of rams and the fat of fattened animals. I have no pleasure in the blood of bulls and lambs and goats. When you come to appear before me, who has asked this of you, this trampling of my courts? Stop bringing meaningless offerings. Your incense is detestable to me. New moons, Sabbaths and convocations, I cannot bear your worthless assemblies. Your Your new moon feast and your appointed festivals... I hate with all my being. They have become a burden to me. I am weary of bearing them. When you spread out your hands in prayer, I hide my eyes from you. Even when you offer many prayers, I am not listening. Your hands are full of blood. Wash and make yourselves clean. Take your evil deeds out of my sight. Stop doing wrong. Learn to do right, seek justice, defend the oppressed. Take up the cause of the fatherless, plead the case of the widow. Come now, let us settle the matter, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. Thank you. So, character. I wonder what you think of when you hear that word. I'm sure we've all met a character in our time, maybe a bit strange or maybe enthusiastic about something, a bit of an oddball maybe, or even crazy. A character. We may even describe someone as being a real character. We all know what we mean, but our character defines who we are. I find it interesting when actors talk about finding a character for a play, TV or a film. 
Alec Guinness famously said that once he'd got the walk, he felt he'd got the character. And that may seem a bit odd, but I get it, as I quite like to people watch, not, not in a creepy way. I mean, you know, when I'm waiting somewhere, observing people, sort of, and a train station or an airport is absolutely fantastic for that. But it's interesting to observe how people walk differently. Some on their balls of their feet, others are striding along, others shuffling. Their walk, to a certain extent, defines their character. Actors and actresses also say, once they've got the makeup on, or once they've got the costume on, then they've got it. Again, how we dress and how we look can also help define our character. Alec Guinness also was known for observing zoo animals to get ideas for how to play certain characters. That, that's rather intriguing, isn't it? In a zoo in America, apparently, he observed an unsociable vulture. That's a real thing. It's its colloquial name, an unsociable vulture. Apparently, it didn't like being watched. It would move, but only when you weren't looking at it. <laughs> but how a walk or how we dress is only part of our character. We are very complicated beings. We do, however inherit characteristics from our parents oh he's just like his father we benefit the good things but we all sorry we inherit the good things but we also inherit the bad things yeah he's just like his old man some people have a bad start and those who have a bad start sometimes go further off the rails and make bad decisions that then has an even more detrimental effect on their lives. My mother used to use the phrase, there but for the grace of God go I. However, nothing is irredeemable. People can, and people have, and people do turn their lives around. How? Well, some do it by getting to know God. But how do we get to know God when we can't even see him? Well, we get to know people by spending time with them. How do we spend time with someone we can't see? We can't see the wind either, but we can see the effect that it has. Similarly, we can see God every day, literally. Earlier we looked at words that describe God's character. One of those I was glad to see was creative or creator. God's creation, the world we live in. We marvel at the natural world, God's order. This planet's complexity and intricacy is expressed in the many series of programmes by David Attenborough in recent years. It's amazing. The world is like a gigantic garden. And those of us who like to go to National Trust Gardens can see the most amazing displays of flowers and trees. The landscaping of trees and the arrangement of different plants to create something that looks spectacular. We also know that it takes a lot of work to make a garden look fantastic. Without that work, it just becomes an overgrown mess. So if God's natural world is so amazing, like a fantastic garden we can admire, then why is it in such a mess? Well, who did God give responsibility to look after this work? That's right, us. We've made a bit of a mess of it, though. Some say it's already too late to save the planet. Others say we still have time, but we need to act now. Climate change, if you'll forgive the pun, a hot topic right now. Indeed, this very week, governments around the world are beginning to recognise that doing the right thing is costly. For me, it just goes to show that centuries of greed and selfishness has had a disastrous effect and that mankind's corporate sin 
is in danger of destroying the very thing that sustains us, our planet. But we also know God has a plan. We may not be able to see him physically, but we can see what he has created, and it is amazing. I said we can't see him, but we can see from the Bible what sort of character he is. In this respect, the Isaiah reading we just had is interesting, because it doesn't seem like he's very nice. In verse 11 and following verses, it says, I have more than enough of burnt offerings. Stop bringing meanness offerings. And in verse 14, your appointed festivals I hate with all my being, followed by, even when you offer many prayers, I'm not listening. That doesn't sound like a loving God, does it? So they they were doing all the right things. Why was God so angry with them? What's that all about? Well, it's about the sincerity of the worshipper, not the number of his activities. God was unhappy with their sacrifices and was calling for sincere faith and devotion. They had come to a place more they had come to place more faith in their rituals than in the God that they worshipped. Hence in verse 15 and 16, stop doing wrong. Learn to do right. We need to do, learn to do what is right for our planet and for our lives. It is their hypocrisy that God was criticizing. But in verse 18, a hint of what was to come. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. He punishes, but he also redeems. We know that God forgives our sin. How he does that brings us to realise that the God we see in the Old Testament is only in one part, in one sense, a part of God. One part of a triumvirate or to use a film term, a trilogy. The second part of this trilogy is Jesus, God's son. So what do we know about him? Well, quite a lot, really. But in the passage read from Luke earlier, we see Jesus meeting someone who for many was not the sort of person the Messiah should be associated with, a tax collector. He was very rich and probably on the take, although it later says, if I have cheated anyone, I'll give back four times as much. But he would have been very unpopular, a Jew working for the Romans. He would have been considered a traitor. But his faith and his sincerity led Jesus to say, salvation has come to this house today. Jesus, this God in human form, came to show us how to live. Here he demonstrates that once again, it's the sincerity of our faith that is important. At the centre of much of Jesus' teaching is the act of forgiveness. It is, of course, the forgiveness of sins that is the core of our faith. Just as we are forgiven, we are asked to forgive others. It's very important. So much so that in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 6, when asked how we should pray, Jesus gives the words that we used earlier in our service, the Lord's Prayer, contained in verses 9 to 13. But what comes immediately after that in verses 14 and 15 is challenging. It says, For if you forgive people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive people their sins, your Father will not forgive you. Wow. Those are sobering words. Forgiveness is at the heart of God's character. 
I think for me one of the hardest things to hear is I cannot forgive you or even worse I will never forgive you these words seem to cut through the heart like a sword but in uttering those words people are actually condemning themselves we don't have time to look at the many things that Jesus teaches about how we should live but it's clear that sincerity in our faith is crucial it's a bit like saying sorry and we've looked at this before sorry no 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 that's not good enough say it properly we know what we mean by that don't we there's a huge difference between sorry and oh I'm I'm so sorry and God knows God knows what's in our hearts when we come to him with a penitent heart by his grace he grants us forgiveness in the same way we are called to forgive others when we say sorry what we're really saying is please forgive me so saying sorry is not a one-way thing if we're asking for forgiveness there has to be a response so when a child says sorry does the parent say no not good enough too late you've blown it of course not because the parent loves the child and happily forgives However, sometimes forgiving a wrong isn't easy. It was Mahatma Gandhi who said, the weak can never forgive. Forgiveness is the attribute of the strong. So just as we need to say sorry, we may also need to forgive, just as God, who, like a loving parent, longs to forgive us for the wrongs that we have done. But we do need to go to him and say, I'm sorry. Maybe Elton John could have been profoundly correct when he said, sorry seems to be the hardest word. It's so important because unless we do, we can't get to know God. There is no relationship with God and therefore no salvation. Just as we need to say sorry to God for our mistakes, we must also be willing to forgive others. Forgiveness is part of Christian ministry. Jesus forgave us from the cross. Stephen forgave his enemies And Paul forgives his deserters for fearing to stand by him. But it is one of the hardest tasks. I use the uh, Scripture Union daily notes. And a while back, Jill Robertson from Scripture Union said this about Paul's second letter to Timothy, commenting on chapter 2, where Paul uses examples of different people to explain what we can expect when becoming a follower of Jesus. She said this, Paul uses three striking and contrasting types of people to help us understand what it means to be a believer. A soldier who must be fit, obey orders and at some point fight. An athlete who must train and compete according to the rules. And a farmer who must till the land and sow in season to reap a crop. Each then receives their reward, the approval of the commanding officer, receiving a victor's crown and having the first share of the harvest. Each image also involves hard work and hardship. None of those successes, approval, victory and a share in the harvest, are easily attained. Paul is clear with Timothy that there's a need for strength and endurance if the gospel is to be proclaimed and people are to find salvation in Christ Jesus. For anyone who wants a faith that demands little of them, these words are challenging. Suffering because of the hard work of faith is pretty much inevitable. But the rewards are out of this world. 
It's about, to quote that Isaiah again, reading again, doing what is right. But we know that doing the right thing isn't easy. Doing the right thing is hard. This is part of the cost of our faith. Jesus said, repent and be baptised. He didn't just say, be baptised. Repentance can be costly. Those who would follow Jesus must follow his way of sacrificial love. So how are we supposed to follow Jesus and do the right thing? Well, Jesus said that after his death, God would send a helper. This is the third part of our trilogy, the Holy Spirit. We can't see this either, but over the past two centuries, we can see its effect. In confessing our sins and accepting Christ, we are promised the gift of the Holy Spirit. If we allow the Spirit, it will transform us. The fruits of the Spirit, those qualities we should display, we know well. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. These are God's characteristics. When we acknowledge both our sin and the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross, then our transformation can begin. New life that Jesus came to bring affects a whole life transformation so that forgiveness is possible though it needs the help of the Holy Spirit repentance is crucial we have to recognize the sin in our lives the psalm I used at the beginning of the service reminds us that we are blessed when we turn to God and that he is our refuge and our strength but that we can also find comfort with God of course we're not perfect of course we make mistakes and make bad decisions, but we have a God who wants to help us. Now, it wouldn't be a talk of mine without quoting from the film Ben-Hur. And for those that don't know, it's my favourite film. But it's also, for those that don't know, a story of a Jew living at the time of Christ who is betrayed by his boyhood friend, now a Roman soldier, a tribune, who condemns him and his mother and sister despite their innocence. He managed to find freedom and seeks revenge, culminating in that famous chariot race. But it's the scene immediately before the chariot race where Ben-Hur prays, and he says this, God, forgive me for seeking vengeance, but my path is set. Into your hands I commit my life. Do with me as you will. He asks for God's forgiveness for seeking revenge. He doesn't ask for victory, but he throws himself at God's mercy. He acknowledges the outcome is up to God. He wins the race. I mean, it's good fiction. But God is real. Christ is real. The Holy Spirit is real. And therefore, our Christian faith is real, expressing God's character through our faith. And I wonder... Have you ever thought, if Christianity were put on trial, what evidence is there to show beyond all reasonable doubt that it exists? It's an interesting thought. The Bible is full of evidence. Then there are the countless lives bearing witness in the past 2,000 years, I'm sure, that shows Christianity is real. If it were not so, I'm sure it would have been found out by now. Now, being found guilty of something is not usually a good thing. But I want to turn the idea of a trial on its head and ask the question, if you were put on trial, 
and accused of being a Christian, is there enough evidence in your life to show beyond all reasonable doubt that you are a Christian? It's a sobering thought. Do we show God's characteristics? Is there enough evidence of God's characteristics in our lives to show beyond all reasonable doubt? The characteristics we do display define our character. I want to finish. I remember when being at school, the days when we got to take our school reports home. I'm sure many of you will remember that. There was this phrase that teachers loved to use that was kind of like damning with faint praise. Could do better. On the one hand, you're glad it's not worse, but at the same time, disappointed that the teacher knows you were capable of more. I wonder, when we get to heaven whether God will smile at us and say, welcome to paradise, and then gently look down and softly say, could have done better. Thank goodness we have a God who does forgive. And we can see his character in the creation of the world we live in, this planet and the intricacy and balance of nature. We can see his character in his son, in the way he lived and the way he interacted and treated people. And we can see God's character in the fruits of the Holy Spirit as we aspire to attain those characteristics. Maybe we could all do better. But may we all come to reflect and to resonate the character of God in all that we do and all that we say, that others may see and hear and come to believe. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are a forgiving God. Help us all to do better in your service and in our witness. May our lives be truly worthy of the description of Christian. Guide us in our journey and continue to inspire us with your word. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. We come then to our closing hymn. Hallelujah. Mike. Hallelujah indeed. Okay, stand if we're, if we're able to. <clears throat> now this song, Hallelujah, your love makes me sing. Hallelujah, your love is amazing. So let's, uh, let's sing it like we mean it, shall we? me 
sing hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Your love makes me sing. Your love is surprising. I can feel it rising. All the joy that's growing deep inside of me. Every time I see you, all your goodness shines through, and I can feel this God's love rising up in me. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Your love makes me sing. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Your love makes me again. Hallelujah. 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 Your love makes me sing. Hallelujah. 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 Your love makes me sing. Yes, you make me sing. Lord, you make me sing. How you make me sing. Lord, you make me sing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Can't hear you. Hallelujah. Your love makes me sing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, your love makes me sing. Amen. Thank you. So go with confidence into the days ahead, trusting in God's unfailing love and faithfulness. Enable us to reflect your loving and forgiving character in the knowledge that you are always there, Lord, willing and waiting, want, willing and wanting to guide us by your Holy Spirit. Your love for us is so great. Help us to remember that. Help us to remember that your love endures forever. Amen. <laughs>